Hey everybody, in this week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to review the NFC Championship games. Um, we're going to talk about when a pass interference call is not, or is it? Um, we're also going to delve into a little bit of, um, of the Major League Baseball and then um, 2019 Hall of Fame finalist, Mariano McGurl, the first unanimous um, player. And we're also going to hear some words from our special guest, um, Joe Plummer, um, on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guy Talking Sports, where it's me, Earl, I'm here with my two friends, Ace and Al, and we have actually a um, special invited guest tonight, um, other friend, uh, Mr. Joe Plummer. So fellas, tell them how you doing today. Doing well, doing well. Pleasure to be here. I'm just happy to be here. Um, everything is going great, ready to get started. Ready to get things going. Man, go Yankees. Man, <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, don't hug me. <laughs> we, 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 I guess we'll have plenty of time to talk about that offline. Exactly. Um, sorry I don't have my music selection set up for this week, so I'm having some complications on my end, but it's, I was going to play a little bit of Master Ace, but I'll get that straight in our next go-round. <laughs> no However, um, no bye-bye. Huh? No boom, bye-bye? <laughs> uh, nah. <laughs> but before we get started, I want to um, just um, give a special shout-out and um, thanks to our friend Joel, my LB. Um, actually, Al's LB for hopping on a call with us and sharing his wisdom and some sports intellect tonight. So, um, Joel, if you would be so kind and just to kind of tell everybody a little bit about who you are briefly before we get started. Okay. And who do you like I and who don't like? <laughs> in, the, in the sports world? Yeah. Or in general? Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm Joel Plummer. Um, I have two connections to the world of sports. One is that I am an adjunct professor at Rutgers, and I teach a course on the history and politics of African Americans and the sports industrial complex. And the other thing I do is that I'm a Working media, working member of the media as a as a photographer, I do uh, professional boxing, uh, Division One basketball and football, um, some WNBA, and just any major events that happen in, in the New York uh, area, I usually cover. So I have some insight on on the media side of things as well as the historical side of, of, of sports. In terms of who I don't like, let's, let's run through the list. Uh, I don't like Yankee, I don't like Yankee fans. Hey, hey, uh, easy there, buddy. Because there's the spoiled brats that think they should just be able to win every, every year. Uh, they, they don't know how to appreciate winning uh, like, like Mets fans do. Yeah, that's because y'all don't win. Uh, Okay. <laughs> Listen, absence makes the heart grow fonder. To <laughs> say, um, the team I hate most in all of sports, of course, is the Chicago Bulls, because the player I hate most is is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Uh, I think Michael Jordan is both the greatest thing to happen to black athletes, at least on the financial side, and the worst thing to happen to them in every other way. 
and I despise everything that he's connected to. I don't even wear red and black together uh, because I hate the Bulls. And connected to that, of course, is my favorite team, of course, the Detroit Pistons, Bad Boys for Life. Ah, uh, yes. And on the football side, I'm a Giant fan and a fan of anyone playing the Eagles. <laughs> if you can see me, you know, if I had a glass of wine, I'd be tipping my glass of wine to you, uh, Joe. <laughs> Last year's Super Bowl was, was, was painful for me. <laughs> One of my greatest joys in life was being able to make no ring jokes to Eagles fans. Oh, well, take my word for it. I work with a bunch of Eagles fans. I told them it was a, a fluke win last year and he wouldn't make it back. And I was, uh, thanks to the Saints, I was, um, I was proven right. There you go. The world <laughs> is back in order. Exactly. <laughs> So thanks for that little introduction, um, Joe. So right now we're going to segue into um, into the NFL. So obviously um, the Super Bowl um, teams, I mean, Super Bowl um, teams are now written. Um, L.A. Rams against the New England Patriots. Now, obviously, the AFC and NFC Championship games both went into overtime uh, with the Rams winning against New Orleans controversially and the New England Patriots winning over the Kansas City Chiefs controversially. Um, obviously there was the, uh, I guess you can call it a double, a double fault, a double penalty penalty where you had the, um, rough, um, pass interference as well as shot to the head, which didn't get called, um, against the Rams. And obviously there was the, uh, multiple issues where the third INT against Tom Brady got called back because the, um, the lineman lined in the neutral zone, or you can talk about the phantom roughing the passer on Tom Brady, where the guy never even hit him in the head, literally basically just tapped him on his chest. But, you know, we can go to a multitude of things. So, guys, uh, what were your thoughts on um, the, uh, the AFC and NFC Championship game? And don't all speak at once. I, I let the new guy go because since he hates the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> all right. I may be in the minority here, but – I'm not sympathetic towards the Saints. I agree that it was a call that, that was missed. Uh, it, was a, it was a bad call. But that's, that's part of the game. Um, I don't think it was a case where, like the, the tuck rule, where I felt like the refs were going out their way to, to help a team. Um, I think it's a missed call. And, you know, I've seen online, like, Saints fans, not Saints fans, uh, Rams fans pointed out a number of times that refs missed calls earlier in the game. So I get it that people are upset and they're like, oh, the, the Saints got cheated. But are you only cheated if you make a bad call at the end of the game? Like, if, if you make bad calls, like, in the first half, that, that affects scoring, is, is, is that okay? As long as you get it right at the end? Or does it only matter if you, you mess up at, at the end in it's, the, it's, uh, you know, the, the crunch, final crunch time? I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I, think, I think when the Saints had their foot on the neck of the Rams in the first half, they should have just kept putting, you know, continue putting the pressure on them and, and break them when they had the opportunity, when things were going on, you know, going their way. 
and the, the crowd was in it. And they should have never allowed L.A. to shift the momentum or even make it as close as it could have, as close as it was, in other words. You know, if you're up 13-3 to three at half, which I'm sure the Saints probably could have played a better game where they could have had a bigger lead, um, they can only – they only got themselves to blame, in my opinion. Uh, I was listening to sports radio here in the Baltimore area where uh, you got fans who who got a lawyer involved and sent uh, something to the NFL as such to say that they're suing the NFL for mental anguish and a whole bunch of other nonsense stating that. <laughs> but in the Constitution of the NFL, it does state that um, – that a bad call can't warrant a replay of the game. But how egregious of a call, I, I, yeah, I, it was new to me too. But, you know, how egregious of a call does it have to be in order for a portion of the game to be replayed? Now, mind you, that, that call was blatant. It was bad. It was yeah. horrible. But come on now, one play shouldn't really decide a game. I mean, I can understand that the game was tight from the duration, but, you know, the Saints had every opportunity to really blow them out, and they just didn't do it. Me personally, they just wasn't there, prepared for it. Um, they met uh, – I mean, this game is the tight, as tight as the game was. It was so many different – it was so many mental mistakes um, that kept them from winning it all the way. Like you said, I agree with both of y'all. Like – is one bad call is not going to out change the whole outcome. There's so many other calls that was in place. It'd be one different if this was just the only bad call throughout the game. But you know, there were so many other penalties before that. So you know, it's you know, I think that people just needs to just because it's not like it's not going to happen again. And I think people need to just you know just. Enjoy the game. The referees is going to get, you know, of course they're going to get criticized. You know, they've been criticized majority of these past couple of years for um, bad calls um, refs made or calls that refs should have gotten. So, you know, it's going to happen. But, you know, one bad call is not going – it shouldn't from, – for the most part, it's just one bad call should not be a case where everything is blown up. Um, Saints should have won that game, but they didn't. They should have made the plays that they should have done. They should have, you know, ha- not have the mental lapses that they did. But, you know, it is what it is, and the Rams moved on, you know. And it is what it is, so be it. But the Patriots, though, I don't want to talk about that right now at this time. I'm, 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 I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I'm I'm, 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 I'm – I'm not even going to go on a rant about this. I'm just tired of this. Bottom line. <laughs> um, and that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm just blatant. I'm, to be honest, I'm just completely tired of it. Like, and we all talked about this last week about having something new and fresh to see and observe in the Super Bowl. At least we, I got to Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said, I'm like this, man. It's, uh, you know, I agree. I mean, was it a bad call? Yes. Um, Was there a lot of bad calls in both games before, you know, overtime? 
Yes. Is there bad calls all the time in the NFL, in the preseason, in the regular season, in the wild card? You know, yes. I mean, this one, I mean, there was, like you said, the Saints had opportunities still to win the game. They won the coin toss. They could have got the rock. They could have marched down the field. They could have scored just like the New England Patriots did, a la a little bit of help, but they went right down the field and scored a touchdown and won the game. The Saints could have did that, and all this would have been a moot point. The um, pass interference, shot to the head, would have been a moot point. It would have been all about Drew Brees overcoming all this, winning the game. You still got to go out there and play. Patriots won the coin toss. They went down. They scored. Patrick Mahomes never saw the field. Drew Brees had the ball, went down, couldn't score. So... Like you said, I don't want to hear all this crying about people complaining about, oh, they want to send some stuff to the to the commissioner about, you know, stressing, looking into this obscure rule where <laughs> if there's some kind of, you know, foul or folly with the game, the commissioner who would never even dare to do that, but he can say the game is can change the game or replay. No, that, that that's not going to happen. Is it going to happen? You won a bad call. It happens all the time. You lost. You had opportunity over time. You couldn't convert. Get the fuck over it. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Tell my man, son. No, but and he's right though, because at the end of the day, if it was if the roles were reversed, you wouldn't see all that. Would you really see um say I mean, would you really see Rams LA going ballistic like that? Um, if the roles uh... were reversed. I wouldn't Look, say that they would go as far as. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. You're right. You're right. I take that back. I take that statement back. I'm sorry. So. You know, but uh, I still would have rather see Holmes and company there. <laughs> yeah, me and me too. Because, um, yeah, I'm one of those people that did not want to see a Saints-Patriots uh, Super Bowl. Because like, like you said, it's just like we, we've, we've seen these guys forever. Yep. It'd be great to actually let the the new players, the, the young bloods, you know, show up on show up and show out on the biggest stage. Because that Monday night football game they had was was epic. Yes, sure was. And I'm pretty sure the uh, the uh, the NFL execs and everybody over there, for, you know, for marketing was salivating at the lips, hoping that the uh, the Rams and the um, Chiefs would get a part two in the Super Bowl. Well, if that were the case, the refs didn't get the memo. <laughs> nah, I was about to say that. I was about to say that. Obviously, the refs wasn't thinking it that way. That's for sure. So here's my bone to here's my bone to pick with the with the Chiefs. So um, they now nah, they gave a stat saying that you know the Chiefs were though I guess the, the second highest sack t- sack total team of the of the league behind um the Bears. However, Tom Brady looked like he was barely touching that game. I mean, yeah. He had a lot of time in that pocket, to, you know, to do what he wanted to do now. First half of the game, he was just handing the ball off to the running backs, and, they, and that was it. But then that second half and that last drive, outside of the one bad, you know, rough in the passer call, Brady was barely touched. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> New England minimized uh, Kansas City's pass rush by getting the ball out of Brady's hand and you know, really quickly in uh, quick slants and, th- uh, and different types of plays where it's probably just one read, maybe a second read uh, before he threw the pass. So you got to give kudos to New England now. In hindsight, you know, 
does one defend that? I mean, do you now kind of uh, drop nine nine guys in coverage? You know, maybe don't rush four, rush two, and try to keep some of the guys on the D line and keep their hands up so they can try to knock down quick passes. I mean, isn't that I, what the Giants? Not to cut you off, but isn't that what the Giants did in the Super Bowl that year? The Patriots were um, were undefeated. That for most of the game they they rushed they rushed two people. Yeah, they rushed. I don't. Three. They rushed three and dropped everybody else back. It was three. It was three. Okay. But yeah, that that's the thing. Like, yeah, what adjustments have you stopped that? Yeah. I mean, and, and you got to put your hands up, D lineman. I understand that you know you want to get to the to Brady, possibly knock him out, old Montana style, you know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a little too stabby for all that. So you gotta the, mm-hmm. the defense has to be a lot smarter. And I just, and it was a great game plan by New England by ramming it down the Chiefs' throat. I'm like, all right, we're gonna slow your pass for us down eventually by just keep running the rock. And then they turn around and just pass the hell out of the ball. But Brady was getting the ball out of his hand and out of his hand in under two seconds. Ain't no D lineman in the world can get to a quarterback in under yeah. two seconds. So I, I mean, can, am I mad at Kansas City? Uh, I, I mean, I'm frustrated because I keep seeing the Patriots, of course. <laughs> you know, so do I really do I really want to watch the Super Bowl? I'm not interested in either team, but I do want to see the commercials. I mean, so I guess I'll be watching. <laughs> well, I don't know what their defensive scheme was, but hell, they should be listening to Tony Romo commentate that game because he knew what the heck they was going to do even before um, Brady threw the ball. I mean, he, that last drive, damn if he didn't call the pass to uh, Edelman and Gronk. It's, it's amazing that I will give – if I give the Patriots, I give them this credit. They do know how to adapt. They do know how to game plan for whatever game that's coming up their way. Um, I, I, as much as I don't want to, I have to give credit where credit is due because they're there now. Um, not a fan of it, not at all. Um, but you know, they're there. Um, I'm not really. I don't even know if I really would enjoy watching the game, but I would love to see how this plays out. And hopefully this will be the final season of it to an extent. Nah, Breeze, I think, I think Breeze already said he's coming back. So. Now I'm talking about Breeze. I know. I just think if Breeze comes back, he's going to come back. Uh, look. Yeah. Uh, look. Can Tom Brady just win the Super Bowl and just, just roll out, you know, on a high horse like um, Pete Manning did? Ah, because he's still competing at a high level. Unfortunately, just think if they go into the draft and they pick up a, a tight end that can simulate half of what Gronk does. Do you truly think that uh that Brady's going to step away? I doubt it. <laughs> and Brady, um, Brady must be you know be interested in staying even longer if he did that whole thing where he uh, forced Garoppolo to get, get traded. He, he clearly plans on being the quarterback of, of the future for a little while. And I was reading 
Ah, uh, someone had a book about the Patriots. Um, but it's clear, like Tom Brady's really not trying to be like a stay-at-home dad with with the kids and stuff. Like he says, like multiple times that like football is his first love, and he said it a couple of times, like in front of his wife. So he's you're gonna have to drag him off the field. He's like, yeah, watch the kids or possibly take a sack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me go ahead and get this sack on and get back in the house. <laughs> 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 like, what's the worst that could yeah. possibly happen? <laughs> well, at the end of the day, I blame this whole uh, Tom Brady, you know, you know, legacy on the, on the Jets. They didn't put out Drew Bledsoe all those years. And inserted time. <laughs> this would have maybe would have eventually happened, but it wouldn't have been like this. I'm hoping it would have been like this, but you know, at the end of the day, I blame the Jets. <laughs> so uh, as all else say, fails, <laughs> all else fails, blame the Jets. Uh, so sticking with the NFL for for a second. So on, um, I know there's been some talk about whether or not um, due to that um, that non-call the pass interference, do you think, um, as some suggested, that there should be a rule change where pass interference calls should be reviewable um, within the last two minutes of the game or in overtime? Uh, I don't know. It seems like a slippery slope. It's, it's going to be human error. You're going to, you're just going to have to let it go because what if, what if it's the, you know, what if it's the play in the third quarter, the pass interference call that doesn't get called in the in the third quarter? That's really the thing that that breaks the game open. I get what you're saying. Ah, you know, I, I, I love the idea of getting every call right, but just practically doing it, um, I don't know. Seems seems messy, and it probably even slow the game down even more. Yeah, you have to get the further review. Well, gotta I mean, go. Some of them is some of them are blatant. Like that's blatant. Like if we went to New York for a review, they'd be like, "Dude, that's past the fairness. Get the game going. Let's just give them the fifteen and let's go." You know. But I mean, there's some of those that are real like bang bang that they'll probably have to sit there and look at it, you know at multiple angles. But the blatantly obvious ones. I think personally, I think there should be a written rule where it's not even so much if it's being a coach's challenge. It should be more so like if it's real blatant and hasn't been called, New York should just step in and like, dude, yeah, you, you know this is right. You know this should be called, right? We're going to go ahead and call this flag for you. But how are you going to do that when you know if uh, if I'm an opposing team, I'm going to hurry up the offense to try and spike, you know, get the the next play off and running before they even attempt to do that. I guess that's the risk uh, the, the, te- the offensive team will take if it's against the offense. <laughs> like, well, you know, if it's something that will affect the offense, I guess they'll they'll try to run up. But, I mean, most times they typically get the call in to stop play prior to them getting this, you know, snapping the ball most times. I'm not saying they do that all the time, though. Yeah, i um- I think it's a knee-jerk reaction to it, you know, specifically to this because, I mean, they didn't have this, you know, the last couple of years. So all of a sudden, because of this play, 
now everyone has seen it so many times, you want to automatically say, yeah, now we should do this. And I agree with you, Joe. What's, if you're going to call passive interference, then be, then be fair. I mean, if you call it in the third quarter, you should call it in the fourth quarter. But if you don't call it in the third quarter, but call it in the fourth quarter with a return or replay, to me, it's, it's unfair. And, yeah, I'll be pissed if it was the Giants and, you know, it happened against my team, I'd be pissed. But, you know, it is football. I think you open up a slippery slope because then why does it have to be pass interference? Why can't it be roughing the passer? Why can't it be holding? Why can't it be a whole bunch mm-hmm. of other stuff? Why are you ch- you're cherry-picking one thing because that one thing was so blatantly obviously missed by the rest, but you never had this rule or even asked about this rule like this the last 10 years. But just because this happened right then and there, now you're upset about it. So to me, you open up a slippery slope because don't just cherry pick the offense by saying we can review this. You need to, if you're going to do that, to be fair, you could say everybody can be held on every play or, you know, there could be, you know, holding or, you know, anything that you can review as far as a, a penalty or a flag. So I think you shouldn't. I think it's just a knee-jerk reaction what happened, and I think once everything dies down, hopefully this all you know this will all be settled. But it's a slippery slope that you open because now anything can be up for grabs. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's slippery, but in the same sense. It's a scenario or it's a, a, an isolated incident where it kind of deprives the team from making it to the Super Bowl. When I'm like, like we discussed earlier, it was many a play that could be defined as the defining play that changes outcomes. But we still don't know if the Saints would have scored. They could have missed a field goal. They could have gotten, you know, they could have not scored a, a touchdown. So. It could be all moot point if they had the opportunity to actually get the yardage and see where it goes next. No, I agree uh-huh. with you. On, I, okay. Go ahead, Joe. I just have a quick question. That the missed call was really bad, but how often do refs miss a call like that in a big game, in a big situation, like miss it that badly? Not often. Because if this is a – because if this is a, you know – there's an outbreak, there's a rash of this happening, maybe. But if this is an isolated incident, are we, like like Earl said, is this, is this a knee-jerk re- reaction to something that's not a normal occurrence? Well, I guess it wouldn't have been so knee-jerk if the NFL didn't come out publicly as soon as the game was over. It was like publicly... <laughs> apologizing for the really bad call. Typically, the NFL will wait till Monday or Tuesday before they, before they sit there and say, yeah, we screwed that one up. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. But they, it was like directly after the game, like, dude, look, we're real sorry about that. Like, you know, I guess that's what is really drawing that sort of attention to say maybe something needs to be done. Yeah, I'm just saying, do you change the rules for something that doesn't happen that often? Well, but when it does happen, I, it's monumental. I mean, that was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I think you should, unless it, you know that there, 
there's there's more evidence of that or, or happens at a large rate. But like you said, not it, it's not that bad that they miss. Usually they'll throw it and nothing really ever happens. So um, that was just on the you know the other side of the spectrum to a, to a large degree. But if it becomes problematic and they just missing you know pass interference or calls like that all across the board, then yeah, you can look into it. But at one play, I think it's just. Like, like, you know, like how we say, well, you know, the sports and newscasters, they're just prisoner of the moment. Right now, they're prisoner of that specific moment to that game. <laughs> ref, ref had a bad game. Ref was a yeah. rookie Kobe Bryant airballing a jump shot at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he just needed a Snickers at the halftime, shoot. <laughs> and not yourself. <laughs> that commercial want to get away. <laughs> Yo, I can so see that for that <laughs> commercial for that incident. The ref is like, ooh. <laughs> but, but what do you do about that as, as a ref? Like, as a player, like, if you mess up, like, you practice, you know, all offseason to get, get better. Like as a ref, do you do you hire wide receivers and DBs to just keep throwing passes, and you just <laughs> keep practicing throwing the flag and not not throwing the flag? <laughs> no, I think what it is that they're gonna have to. It's gonna be a while before they get back on that level again. Um, yeah, it's gonna be unfortunate, but you know, it's that's why you if you you have to do this to the best of your ability and. You know, you have to see everything. Um, matter of fact, the ref wasn't was he? It wasn't like the ref was seeing it blatantly where he missed it, right? Like it wasn't like it was in front of the ref. So I don't remember the ref being right there either. Yeah, yeah he wasn't right. He wasn't right there. He was on the other. He was on the other side. He was on the side where the where um the DB was running. So he wasn't on the side where the receiver was coming up the line. So he can only really see from his vantage point the DB running. And I guess from his side, it looks like he didn't really hit him. He just kind of grazed him or kind of went right past him. So you can't – I guess he was saying from his vantage point, it didn't look it didn't look that bad until he got a closer look from the other side and he realized it looked that bad. But by that time, you know. But, but, but I'm saying the other you have – you have other referees that even from the other side, like the bat judges, looking down at the play. I'm sure he probably seen the joint and was like, well, damn. Like, dude. <laughs> 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 I'm like, you really not going to call this? <laughs> I mean, you could be 40 yards down the field and saw how blatant it was. But what's even crazier is the fact that, D, that uh, the DB that, 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 uh, that hit the receiver – even came out and said, well, yeah, I hit him. I wasn't playing football. Yeah. I wasn't doing it. I just hit him. You know, and it was a penalty. And it went, when he said it wasn't a penalty, he was like, oh, snap. So what's to say that now – I'm not saying this will become an epidemic. I'm not saying that this, this will become a trend. But if it happened once, what's to say another DB is going to sit there and say, eh, I guess I could try too. You know, I may get a penalty. I may not. <laughs> Gotta be the same refs. <laughs> but yeah, but but yeah, you do look at the play, and if the DB DB could have turned his head five yards before we even got to the receiver, and he would have had a pick right then and there. I mean, 
the ball was hit yeah. that well. I mean, you, he ran right to the receiver, didn't play the ball. But if you just turn your head five yards before you even get to the receiver, that's an easy pick. Easy. Is it possible to do like, like a, a a high school basketball game? If it's a normal game, they may only have two refs working the game, but when it's a big game, they'll they'll make sure they have three. In big games, is it possible to have more refs out there? We talked about. I think we 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 kind of asked that question about the the NBA finals too about having more refs um, in postseason. Me personally, I think it would be a good idea. Why not have maybe an extra eyes out there to to see it? But the question is, will it still change the outcome? Like, who's to say that that ref won't will miss the same thing, and then you know it still would be the same outcome no matter what? <laughs> yeah, because nobody nobody wanted to really throw the flag. They're all looking around like, no. <laughs> well, well, maybe what's to say that you don't have a ref? up in the box where the coaches, you know, the assistant coaches are for, you know, for either team. Not to say that you need a ref in each box, but just put a ref up there to have that aerial view. I mean, he's, of course, he's not going to be able to sit there and say, oh, this person is holding. I mean, he guess he could. But in that situation, he might have been able to have some eyes to say, yeah, that's, that's blatant or that's one way of putting an extra set of eyes on the entire field. I mean, he can't focus on everything, but, I mean, he could try to look. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's one option. And I, I wonder if refs are hesitant, like when the ref closest to it doesn't make the call, and if you're further away and you see it, I wonder if you're hesitant to pull your flag because you don't want to show up your your what do you, what do you call him your ref mate your, your teammate <laughs> your <laughs> but you you know because because when you do that that's putting the guy that was closer on blast. So, like, wait, why does the call come from way down there? That happens in basketball all the time. Yeah. When someone calls a foul from the other end of the court, the coach goes ballistic. Like, how do you call it? making the call from way way down here? And then it, you know, it puts focus on the person that didn't make the call. So I wonder if they if they swallow their flag sometimes because uh, they don't want to make one of their team members look bad. But, I mean, uh, but on the flip side, think about all the times when you see multiple flags hit the field for, like, personal fouls or something like that. That, yeah, that's true. So how is it that on certain personal fouls, you can see like seven flags, hit, but on this one particular one, not a single ref? Yeah. <laughs> makes, or makes is the ref just scared to be the guy that makes a call that mm-hmm. that could change the game in, in, in that moment? Yeah, they need to grow up here. I understand they get deference and all that crap. They need to grow up here. I'm surprised they got. I'm surprised they got out of New Orleans alive. I was about to say that too. <laughs> I mean, it was their job. I mean, you getting paid like these refs for 16 games get paid better than some. They get paid well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know yeah, I mean? but is it yeah. all worth it when you receive death threats from the people of New Orleans and you know it? You know, is, is it? I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's just I they I, I give them you know, I give them much respect. I mean, for them to go through not just refereeing, the fans going after them, the players going after them, the coaches going after them, any decision that you make, somebody's gonna disagree with you no matter what. And you know, 
to go through all that and still have to keep the decorum that they have, you know, referee is not for everybody. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Well, I guess there's some, something to be said because I know there's always been talk that, you know, during a regular season, they use the same team of refs, you know, all the time throughout the regular season. And then when you get to the playoffs, they'll kind of take, I guess, like the best of the best or they won't have like that same team. All-star refs. Yeah. <laughs> Not for this instance. So, but um, I guess there's something to be said about keeping the same team. So, you know, maybe – that group, somebody was a little unsure whether to throw the flag or to go against another person where your team, they could be like, dude, fuck, throw the flag. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, they, if they're afraid to do it, man, you got some of these other referees that are out there and, you know, roughing uh, the, the, college, the college playoffs or the CFL or Whatever, you know, bring some new blood up in that joint. Somebody who ain't afraid to pull their flag out what it means what it means the most. It'd be funny if years later it turns out that that ref is just like, I just didn't like the Saints. Exactly. Well, I guess the one thing we can definitely agree upon is that guy will probably never ref another game <laughs> at in New Orleans ever again. Yeah. But I mean, is it just that ref or would you say that whole officiating crew? Because again, it's always somebody. I mean, there's multiple flags that get thrown all the time. So like they all were punks on that one particular play. Nah, well, it's not, you're not known unless it's the last one. So I think that that last call, whatever it was that, that stopped them from going to the Super Bowl. That's what fans mm-hmm. are remembering them by. Oh yeah, they're the Saints. All yeah. the Saints know this guy's name, what he looks like. Yeah. Trust me, if, he, if he winds back up in um in that stadium, they gonna know. They gonna know. I wouldn't be surprised if some fans already got a cutout of him. So that when the next time they come in, they be like, if this guy comes in. You know, with a cutout face of the ref. So, you fans are very creative that way. Well, fans need to get a life. Yeah, well, that's most of them at least. <laughs> but then again, think about it. We still talking about the fans of diehard fans. Like, come on, like the, the fans that wanted to, you know, go after their own coach for losing a college football game series, championship series. So you're talking about diehard fans that. This means more to them than anything. Type. Well, 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 hold now, now college, college football fans are uh, or a different breed, in my opinion. <laughs> that's yeah, different, that's a different you breed. Breed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to see if he was going to how he was going to spin this around. So, well, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, a sports fan is a sports fan. If, a, a t- if you have a fan who lives and breathes for that particular team. So be it. But there's something about college football fans is just a different breed altogether. Such, I, I, it's hard to explain. I mean, Joel may know because you know he's he has a pulse to the uh, to the field of of college because you know he's a professor there. But there's something about that that breed of college football fan. Yikes! <laughs> hey, hey, real quick, Joel, uh, yeah. you have my, yeah. my sympathy for taking pictures of um, Rutgers men basketball games. You have to sit through some of those games, so you have my 
You know what's interesting about them? Wait, let me address Adrian's thing first. Uh, um, yeah, college football fans are, are, are crazy. Remember that um, that 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 thirty for thirty about um, Alabama and, and Auburn, Auburn, yes, yes, and yes. the dude like poisoned all the trees and, and went to jail. And he's like, maybe I went too far, but we'll tie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. And, and the SEC is something totally, totally man. After pro sports, exactly. down down there. That's all they got. Um, and and Rutgers. You know what's interesting? I was shooting the Rutgers Maryland game, and usually the problem with Rutgers sports, like in football, when Ohio State comes to play. You look at the sideline, you look at the size of the Ohio State players, and you're like, okay, Rutgers has no chance. These are just much bigger humans than, than Rutgers has. Like, they have, you know, they have 300-pound linemen on their third string wait, waiting to play. And Rutgers just can't physically compete. Basketball, though, I'm looking at Rutgers players, and Rutgers has, like, a bunch of huge players. I mean, they have a, they have a seven-footer. They have a 6'10 shooting guard. Um and they can bang uh, – I was thinking about this Maryland game. First five minutes, they're going back and forth with, with Maryland. But the difference is when Maryland, like, gets scored on, like you dunk on Maryland, what they instantly do is get angry about it, push the ball up of court, get that back. Dunk right in your face, get it right back. With Rutgers, when they get – Rutgers gets hit, they're done. Like they don't, they don't have it in them yet. They they haven't won. They don't know to feel insulted when someone scores on them. When when someone threatens to take take the win away from them, they they don't have that 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 you know that pride that comes from winning yet to know like nah, I, I need to turn this turn this up a level. But they have some um, freshmen. I think they have they play four freshmen, and I was looking at some infographic. The freshmen are responsible for like half the points that the team scores and like sixty percent of the rebounds. So they're moving in the right direction, and and they got some kid. Um, I think his last name is Mulcahy. He's at um, one of the Catholic schools, but but he's like a four or five star recruit that's coming next year. But it's but a lot of that like physically, you know, they they can bang with anyone, but they. They just don't have that winning killer mentality yet. It's coming. I get the I give Rutgers basketball maybe two years. They'll be right there. Yeah, they'll, 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 they'll make the tournament. I don't think they'll they won't make real real major noise, but they'll definitely make the field of sixty eight. Women or, or, or yeah, or a couple years. Or the men, the men oh, definitely. Okay. Oh, yeah, the women are ranked fourteen. Oh, the women, in fact, are playing Iowa uh, tonight. Yeah, the women are doing all right. Vivian got her swag back, boy. She's getting them players. <laughs> <laughs> I heard she just uh, she just copped a, a transfer guard from uh, from Baylor. I guess the the girl got kicked off the team for uh, team violations or something like that, and she transferred over to Rutgers. Ah, oh, interesting. <laughs> Domestic violence. Hey, you know. <laughs> We're trying to win. <laughs> we got Rutgers has to look the other way on some stuff. <laughs> 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 
everybody does to you know as much as they can you know say nothing happened then all the all the bomb schools will i was hoping the ohio state coach would get fired so that that we could pick him up <laughs> who uh the basketball coach no football at the beginning of the year when it was all the stuff oh. about um oh yeah yeah about the coach I was like, fire him so we, we can pick him up. <laughs> y'all, y'all can go after, theoretically, y'all can go after uh, the previous Paul, coach. Oh, Paul um, Trussell? Yeah, I think his show closes I, up at this point. Yeah, Yo, the, what he got fired for was nothing compared to what, what people are getting caught for. I mm-hmm. know. And he got a show closed for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, let's let's table that for for another day. <laughs> That's I good because I, I have my thoughts on that one. But um, <laughs> I was about to say, we really, really want to extend the time on this one. <laughs> but before we end, I want to go to something very near to dear to uh, Mr. Adrian Catwell's heart, and that's the uh, Major League Baseball um, 2019 inductees were revealed, and of course, you have your boy Mariano Rivera. First year on the ballot and gets 100% of the votes. And I think he's what, correct me if I'm wrong, the only unanimous person to get unpicked. Yep. I could be wrong, but that's Yep, yep, yep. He's unanimous first. Um, also, um, pitcher Roy Halliday, uh, pitcher Mike Messina, and, and um, Edgar Martinez, which I think that might have been a, uh, a sympathy vote. But um, <laughs> Well, DHs need love, too. <laughs> <laughs> But of course, you know um, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, and and uh, Mark McGuire. I think Mark McGuire was even on there, or he might have been. But um, Barry Bonds um, still is not in the Hall of Fame, and at this point, I don't think he will ever will. But um, and I also have my thoughts on the major league voters for the Hall of Fame. I think sport writers inducting guys in the Hall of Fame, I have a, a problem with that. But Adrian, your boy. The closer. Well, we got to give a shout out to the Sandman uh, for coming in and taking care of, uh, you know, I think I was, I read something earlier today when the Yankees signed him, I think at 14 or 15, he was like a third baseman. (laughs) Then he was uh, converted to the outfield and then they converted him into a pitcher. And I think he was like, 6'1", 155 pounds at the time or something like that. Oh. And he developed into a pitcher. Like, he was he was never a pitcher. But I guess, you know, the oh. age, you know, prepped him and got him ready to become the player that he was. So, you got to give credit to the farm system uh, for developing such a so, – because uh, <laughs> I think initially he was a starting pitcher and got rocked so badly – that he was forced into the bullpen, and then he became the play, you know, the pitcher that we know today. Now, mm. he, uh, you got to give props, and I think next year when uh, when our boy Jeter gets on the on the ballot, he'll probably be unanimous too. So it probably be two for two with uh, unanimous balloting as far as for a Yankee player getting inducted, but quickly. As I listened to my sports radio as I drive into work this morning, they were talking about the, the Hall inductees. And they made a, you know, when they were talking about Bonds and, uh, and Clemens, they were making, you know, they were talking about how certain guys that are already in the Hall of Fame that were dirty players like Ty Cobb, 
and some other players that are in the Hall of Fame that did worse things than PEDs, but yet you got somebody who supposedly did PEDs and are not eligible or probably won't be eligible into the Hall of Fame. And they came to the conclusion that they believe that Griffey Jr. and possibly Cal Ripken Jr. were probably doing something but never got called out on it. What is your take on that? You could address the Mariano Rivera, but I was just curious, you know, your thoughts about that. Wait, who you was asking? Uh, whoever. I mean, I figured Joel wanted to chime in. You know, he and I okay. Um, definitely Rivera deserved to go in. Um, that's interesting how he developed. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess it makes sense that if he was playing third base, he had a strong arm, and then they realized, we can use that that thing for more. Right. Um, here's the thing about Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, to me, both had Hall of Fame, to me, numbers from what I can remember, before they allegedly started using steroids. Because I don't think anyone's accusing them for using it their whole lives. Because people can say they, they could see where Barry Bonds went from being a normal-sized baseball player to all of a sudden becoming this, this giant. But he was already a superstar before that. Right. Roger Clemens was already a superstar before that. So, so I feel like these players used it to extend their careers, and, yeah, the, and the numbers got crazy. But it's hard to argue that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens aren't good enough didn't have good enough careers to be in the, in the, in the hall of fame. Take, I don't know, take 25 home runs off of Barry Bonds uh, each, each year during the steroid era. He, his numbers are still, still solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to have to deal with it because there's so many players that, that did so much. And if you didn't punish them, if you didn't catch them, you didn't punish them, you, you can't make up your own ju- – sports writers can't make up their own justice on, on the back end. Right. But shoot, I mean, Pete Rose um, – He just can't. Well, <laughs> That's all. Yeah. And with, you know, on his team, he was betting on his team, not like against them. <laughs> That's confidence, man. That's confidence. Yeah. <laughs> Now, if he was betting against his team, it'd be like, all right, you need to, you can't get in, and we need to think about putting you in jail. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but Baseball Hall of Fame has always been kind of snobbish. That's, they're always picking it, and they like punishing you by, by making you wait. That's now, the last thing, King Griffin. <laughs> right. Now, to King Griffey and Cal Ripken, did they have any theories on why they think they were using stuff? Um, it wasn't so much theories. It's just that, you know, they were there around that era. You know, Cal, the Iron Man, 20, you know, 2,500 plus straight games. And, I mean, that's – Nobody will ever touch that record now just because. Yeah. And I think another caller came in and said that uh, 
in the seventies, his father was uh, orthopedic or some sort of doctor, and saw a lot of major league players. And the reason why they took amphetamines in the seventies is because it just helped them recover really, really fast. So he was to say that you know they were so focused on Balco and the, the the cream and the clear that they kind of overlooked some other some other forms of methods of keeping players healthy enough to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying Griffey did anything, but when Griffey broke down, Griffey broke down. <laughs> like he couldn't All recover from, yeah. from his injuries. <laughs> yeah. And he had the sweetest swing ever. Yeah. He had yeah. a perfect baseball swing. So that's where people were getting their logic. Like how did, how did Cal could sit there and play that many games and he claims he played hurt, but not hurt enough where he would sit out. Right. That's interesting. We yeah, never know. <laughs> I think it has everything to do with personalities. Hey. I, I've always been of the opinion, if you want to cut off, I guess, whatever year they want to say this was the year he, he started using it, well, I think, what, 98 or somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to negate everything that happened after that and then just vote them on there, then so be it. But, look, PEDs wasn't illegal. It wasn't anything in the, you know, major league, you know, bylaws or anything. Mm-hmm. That you can't do that. I mean, when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were, you know, doing that, you know, the summer of, you know, summer of hitting, and everybody seems to quietly forget that prior to that home run derby occurring, people were still pissed off at Major League Baseball for going on strike. Yep. I already was down in the tank and they gave life back to baseball. I'm pretty sure a lot of people around, even in the commissioner's office, was like, you know, something don't smell right, but we're making a lot of money. <laughs> Everybody likes baseball. See no see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And they let it all go until, you know, Balco and um Conseco, man. And Conseco Dropped the dime on everybody and basically wrecked the whole, wrecked the whole train. Everybody I'm going there. down. I'm bringing everybody with me. <laughs> Drop that book. Yep. And Major League Baseball was running for cover, and like I said, everybody you know got you know, you know everybody got in trouble for the um for the PEDs. But the one person that um got off scot free was the man that was driving the ship of baseball at the time all this went down, and somehow or another. The commissioner at the time gets away scot-free like he didn't know nothing, and I'm having a hard time to believe you knew nothing was going on. Hmm. Silly yep. was just silly raking was in the money. Saint. Right. He wasn't he wasn't no saint. <laughs> no, he was like I remember the commercial like just counting money. <laughs> yeah. I remember the commercials like like the chicks dig the long ball. They were cashing in on all that home run stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that's disingenuous now to be like, oh, these people are cheaters. Well, to give back the money you made. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. give, give, the, exactly. Give, the, give the fans a refund. <laughs> like, well, well, so what we were trying to say was uh, <laughs> we don't we don't approve of uh, the clear and the cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I I, I I find it all you know hypocritical with all that stuff going on when they like everybody was making money, everybody was benefiting from it, and baseball was 
was back on his high horse. Nobody was going to say anything. Yeah. Well, fellas, it is about that time. Uh, we're about to wrap things up. Um, so uh, I want to definitely thank Joe for uh, hopping on this call with us. Um, you know, it's been a pleasure, my brother. Um, it's been an honor being here. So before we go off, everybody let them know where they can find you at. To let Joel go first. Yes. All right. Well, you can find me. Best way to find me is on Instagram. I am Plumber Sports Photography on, on Instagram. Um, and just a plug for my favorite sport, uh, to shoot boxing. Saturday, there's a, there's a nice fight in Brooklyn. Uh, Keith, Keith Thurman is fighting um, uh, uh, what was it? Jose Cito Lopez. This is Keith Thurman's first fight in like a year and a half or so. He got into to an accident. But Keith Thurman is, was, before the accident, the guy that was probably going to be the, the next superstar. So if you like, like a fighter that, that doesn't do a whole lot of dancing, just gets in there and, and throws punches and, uh, and hurts people, Keith, Keith Thurman is the guy that, that you, should, you should watch this Saturday. Um, fight's probably on about 9 or 10 o'clock on Showtime. Nice, nice. Uh, well, you can find me on uh, on Twitter, uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And you could probably catch me watching a fight on Showtime on my TV in, in, in my living room. But on social media, you can catch me on I Am Out Calls. Again, I Am Out Calls on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Uh, you can catch me on the gram, Twitter, and Snapchat is um, J.E. Ross, the number seven. So as always, everybody, I want to thank you for, uh, you know, listening in, tuning in um, to us talk about sports. Um, thank you for all the subscription. And um, as always, I want to say peace, love, and soul to everybody out there. Bless. Have a good one. And yes, down, and yes, down with IOTA Fight Theta Fraternity Incorporated. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs>